Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty. If you're a new guest, we appreciate you stopping by and introducing yourself. If you're a recurring listener, as always, we appreciate your patronage as we explore ways to create and to find and to develop more certainty in our lives. Today, we have a special opportunity. We have a special guest, Mr. Billy North. He's a former uh, Major League Baseball player, had a an impressive career from 1971 to 1981 with notable stints with the Chicago Cubs, Oakland Athletics, LA Dodgers, and the San Francisco Giants. Did, did I leave any out there, Billy, or does that about cover it? That sounds like my stint. I don't know how notable it was. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to talk about that today, and it absolutely was in a couple of main ways, which I think play right into our conversation about finding certainty in our lives. So, appreciate you being with us today, Billy. I know you're you are a, you are a busy man. At least I know most retirees these days they say they're busier than when they were working, but um, but I do appreciate you making some time to be with us here on finding certainty. Thank you for having me again. Yes. Uh, I don't know about my time. I'm pretty much laying around. <laughs> well. on occasion. Yeah. Well, I know uh, as I talk to a lot of former athletes, you know, they, some of them miss the, the, the pace and the schedule and the experience of playing and others are glad it's over. But so we'll talk a little bit about how you feel about it, but but I always start out every show sharing two reasons why I've invited this specific guest. And one of those reasons is that Billy's story is one of somebody who overcame a lot of odds, who persevered uh, at a time where it, uh, there were challenges, uh, racial challenges and other challenges, obviously just becoming that, you know, that elite athlete. There's a, such a very small percentage that actually makes it into the big leagues. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but there's a unique side to Billy's story that I think plays into our channel or our, our show and our listenership. And that is, is that Billy for a long time held a record for the number of stolen bases. It was 395 stolen bases while he was playing for the world champion Oakland Athletics. Well, that's about taking risk, and that's definitely a part of any conversation when you're working on succeeding in business, succeeding in life. You have to be willing to take risks. And so I want to break that down a little bit because you are an expert, Billy, and it's a uh, it's definitely a topic that our listeners think about and deal with and worry about all the time. So, so thanks again for being here. I always start out the show just asking you to tell us a little bit about your your backstory. Tell us where you grew up and and uh, maybe a little bit about your family. And I'll ask a question or two. We'll get into some of your career. Okay. I was born and raised in a place called Seattle, Washington, which is where I am now. I, actually, I'm in a place called Kirkland, which is right across the lake from Seattle. Yeah. Home of Costco. Yeah. You know where I am then, huh? That's Absolutely. 
Um, and and I was raised. Uh, I am the fifth offspring of Simon and Francis North, and I was raised in a house with love. And and uh, 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 God, uh, uh, we uh, raised uh, under God, and and uh, had two brothers and two sisters. My brothers are the ones that made me tough. They used to get up in the morning, eat cornflakes, and kick me in my butt, and <laughs> and put me out there. And my sisters were the ones that nurtured me. I lost one sister. Hmm. I'm sorry. At 40. Where, where do you fit into the mix? Are you the middle child then, or no the baby, or what? Baby, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. You were the baby of the family, huh? I was the last one. Some called me the mistake, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought you know when you said that, I immediately thought last the best of all the gang, right? Oh, there you go. I'll take that one. I'll run it at him as soon as I can. Yeah, yeah. No, and. uh my mom, my dad got a job carrying the mail a week after I was born and carried the mail for 31 years. I mean, carried the mail. They didn't ride around in trucks and stuff. Yeah, it's over their shoulder, right? Yeah, yeah. In yeah. To go in the summertime, I used to go with him and, and help him with, deliver the mail and that. My hmm. mom was the first black woman to ever work on the floor for Nordstrom's in 1952. Nordstrom's owned part of a store called Best Apparels. Nordstrom's was a shoe store then. Hmm. And they uh, down the block was a store called Best Apparel, which, which was like a high-end uh, uh, women's store. Uh, like, and I mean, bigger than Macy's and iMagnet and that. Uh, uh, and she she worked on the floor as the first black woman. She ran, ran stock control, and also managed uh, 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 managed some of their fashion shows. And she was a maven. She had clothes in her closet and all five of ours, and that. But and and was quite an influence on my life. I uh, bet she was. Yeah, I. I, when I was 10 years old, the Yankees and the Braves were playing in the World Series. Well, that's my guys. One was Hank Aaron and one was Mickey Mantle. And I said to myself, because they used to have the World Series on TV at school. And those, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, uh, I said, and I was already baseball obsessed. I hit more rocks than you could shake a stick at. <laughs> and, and uh, I said to myself at 10, I want to play in the World Series. And that's how good God is. When I, and as I went along, you know, I was never the best player. I was always the third or fourth best player on the teams I played. And when I was 18, I got hit in the eye with a baseball. And I'm blind in one eye to this day. And that's what made me develop and that's what made me good you know things can happen in, in their ways and when somebody in my mind they were trying to take away the game from me and when somebody somebody told you no you said oh yeah just watch me all right that's when i really really 
because uh, uh, I love baseball. And and that's when I really, really started to become the, the best player on the team. And then I went away to college and developed physically. But my family, again, I was raised in, in a situation and with two parents that went to work every day and, and they loved us all. And what a great situation because it's not as prevalent now as it is today. Right. So question for you real quick. Um, what did you learn from your dad and what did you learn from your mom? I would think, if I may interject, that your mom was breaking barriers. You know, she was she was a hustler. She was the sales lady. She was she wore several different hats at that job, and I would think that taught you some versatility. And then your dad, I know anyone who works in, in the mail service, the lesson they learn and they teach, in my opinion, is consistency and service. And so would you agree with that? Or are there other lessons you learned from your parents that helped lead you to where you are today? Oh, well, I would answer the question as saying that my dad, he was he had gone to college a little bit and that and he was uh intelligent and he taught me crossword puzzles and words and reading and and to this day i i i i like words and 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 he did that and he taught me boxing watching it because the day he found out i was boxing at the boys club the next day he gave me a tennis racket and because he was a boxer <laughs> he didn't want you to do that huh? <laughs> no. no my mom my mom taught me everything she we we used to go for walks me and her and she taught me about the birds and the bees. And she <laughs> she prodded me with, "Well, what do you think?" When we mm. and so I could opine, and and just a wonderful lady. Uh, I'm just glad I got to meet somebody like I, my father too. But my mom was on presidential councils and. Uh, she was from Shreveport, Louisiana. My grandfather was a Garveyite. I don't know whether you know what that means. He was a Marcus Garvey follower hmm. and advocate. And he used to have meetings at the house in Shreveport, Louisiana. And he uh, worked for the richest white man in town. He drove a truck and carried ice and, and had a taxi business. But, and you see, he's a hard man, tough man. I, I met him a couple of times when I was in the Texas League, and we would go through Shreveport, sit on the porch with him. And uh, uh, when, the, when his uh, employer died, the other people in the, uh, that were, he was being protected by the employer. And when he died, they put him in jail for 10 years. And I never knew that. They said he stole a chicken. But he that never... was your father or your grandfather? Grandfather. 
And you say he worked with Marcus Garvey. I mean, was he was a Marcus Garvey acolyte. Yeah, he was the founder of the UNIA, right? I mean, they, they did some incredible things for just celebrating African history and culture and black nationalism. I mean, that would have been quite an experience to be a. Yeah, and I never knew with him. Yeah, I never knew about this until I saw an interview my mom. But I always knew something was up. Yeah. But my mom raised her kids, never mentioned hatred, never mentioned. uh, She raised us to deal with the world. And 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 never or never told the stories about what she had gone through because it broke her heart when her daddy got put in prison. She didn't want to go to school. Yeah. And I can I can imagine. And and she was one of those in the South that wouldn't get off the sidewalk and never told us anything about that. And because she didn't want us to have uh, any malice or 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 anger in our hearts. Uh, uh, well, but- growing up, if I may, growing up in Seattle, obviously it's not the deep South. It's different than Texas and other places where maybe the racism is more prevalent, but I'm sure you dealt with your own challenges and, and um, you know, prejudice and other things as you were growing up, right? Yeah, you're, I mean, you were fortunate to have a great mom and a great dad. And I wish more young, not just black Americans, but young kids in America today had a father figure and had a strong mother. You know, the family is being fractured these days. And, and I think it's the biggest, it's the biggest curse on our nation, you know, but did you deal with some of the, some of those things, even in the Northwest? Oh, certainly. You know, and I, Remember when Mom had to come to school? School when I was in fifth grade, because uh, my teacher called me the N word. Mm-hmm. I went home and told Mom, and that wasn't something. And Mom knew knew when her son was lying, and uh, <laughs> along with the fact some other kids heard it uh-huh. at the school the next day, and you could have went across the street and seen the school lift off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> when your mom walked in the door. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there were incidences and, and you know, there still are. Uh, but I was, you know, initially it, it was hurtful. I mean, when I, you know, I didn't know much about uh, life when I was in the fifth grade, but as I grew, there were more incidences and, 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 it was hurtful, but I wouldn't show the hurt. I'd probably strike back more than anything. Right. Uh, you know, like I say, my brothers used to. Uh, uh, they made you a tough kid. <laughs> they made me tough. They used to take me around and match me up in fights at parks and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and if I didn't beat him up, then they were going to be. They were going to, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it, it's, you know, I, all in all, uh, my childhood was pretty good. And, and, you know, I was taught who I was by my parents. And when somebody uh, uh, did something like that, I like I say, I was raised on principle and stuff like that. And I 
you know, and back at that time, we were raised to respect adults unless they disrespected you. Absolutely. And and then we would we would take it to the higher powers. Uh, uh, my parents or or some back in those days, the mothers in the neighborhood had license to <laughs> uh, grab your ear or spank your butt or yeah, a little bit. They also had license to back anybody off of that was being obtrusive to you. And that, it was a different time. It was a different time, yeah. Well, I've always said this, but I think one of the forces to be reckoned, just to be, to be reckoned with in America are the black matriarchs. You know, there's some of the most incredible powerhouses. Many of them are single moms, I know. There's a lot of great ones, got a lot of great marriages out there, but a lot of single moms. And I've always said, you know, I married a widow with three children and and we have two boys together, but I've always said a single mom is the is the bionic woman. And well, but those uh, those black matriarchs seem to have an extra level. You talk about the school lifting off the ground. I, I don't know what it is, but they just they carry a, a big a big stick, right? Well, I think one of the greatest gifts. And it's prevalent in the back family, the black family. The greatest gift you can have is a spiritual grandmother. Absolutely. And Amen, brother. Because Ma didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> and my <laughs> grandmother had to deal with uh, Shreveport and got, got the family out of there right on, right on time. Wow. And my mom worked. She went to... She was the longest tenured employee at Nordstrom's in the late 60s and early 70s. And then she went to the school district. She also uh, uh, promoted uh, uh, integration of the schools with a lady up here called, her name was uh, Kay Bullock. Hmm. Her family owned uh, uh, the uh, newspaper, the CLPI. And and the Times actually, and uh, Channel Four, which was mm. uh, ABC News or NBC News, yeah, that's and, great. And they they started the, the busing program up here, and my mom worked for this. And she no, she was on a loan community loan project that Nordstrom's instituted and one day a week they would lend their employees to the community fantastic and she always would go to the schools and then she worked in the schools till she was 89 and uh, in mediation and arbitration and crisis management and taught self-awareness she was always uh her emphasis was young ladies and 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 their self-awareness and their self-concept. That's fantastic. Billy, I'm going to cut you off because we're up against our first break. We will come back and continue the conversation. We're visiting with Billy North. He's a former Major League Baseball player with some records under his belt. And uh, I want to get into your career when we come back. Uh, We could talk all day about your family, and you are – fortunate to have such a legacy to carry on it's it's um 
it's gratifying. But we'll be back in just a minute or two here. Don't go away. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero-cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888-684-3122 to learn more today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty, visiting with Billy North, former Major League Baseball player. And we were just talking about his podcast that he runs. We do the live radio show here that's then posted to all the podcast channels. So you can go back and listen either on our channel at voiceamerica.com or on Pandora or iHeartRadio, Apple, Google, et cetera. But, but Billy does a podcast as well with Mark Mancini that is called True North. And I love the name, by the way, but... <laughs> No, it's it's focused primarily on sports talk, right? Analyzing and addressing the what's going on in baseball. But I know you get off on other topics as well. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about it? Yeah, we do a show every Wednesday at uh, five o'clock uh, Pacific Coast time, and and they dial in. It's an audio podcast, and we just interview. Uh, we've had. I've been doing it for a year now, almost a year, and we've had a number of players, maybe 30 or 40, excuse me, and uh, and and just have a great time. And we've had Hall of Famers, and, and I've had my son-in-law, who was a football player for in the NFL for 11 years, and, and that, they're just a bunch of guys, and, and I really enjoy it. You can come to it. Uh, uh, the number is 347-205-9631 on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock Pacific time. Or you can go online or on YouTube and look up my episodes and and that right there. Well, I've listened to a couple of them, Billy, and you guys do a great job. It's fun 
it's fun listening. I, I you know I like listening to other talk shows and podcasts and other, and I I learn a lot. Right, I'm a fairly new host myself. I only started uh, last August 2022, and so feels like I've been doing it longer than that. I've got over a year under my belt, about 60 episodes now, and uh, but it goes by fast. And it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and, and 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 you do a good job. I I listened to a couple of them and watched a couple of, and that and and geez, it's it's you get to express yourself, but more than anything, you let us express ourselves. So yeah, that's my favorite part. Hearing hearing all your stories, people say that finding certainty feels like a little bit of a stroll down memory lane, and. I, I just I I hear all these great stories and learn all these great lessons. I feel like I get far more out of it than you do. But um, but let's move it. Let's move ahead. Let's get into your career because you said you were passionate about baseball. Had these great examples in your parents and brothers who toughened you up and sisters who gave you heart and sensitivity and sympathy. <laughs> and it was this amazing, beautiful combination that led you to who you are today, but how did you go from a, a kid who just dreamt of the majors and actually made it there, especially blind in one eye? I mean, how many players out there can say they made it in the big leagues and with vision in only one of their eyes? I bet it's a very small percentage. One thing I want to tell you is that when I came into baseball, I sat at the knee of a number of the greatest storytellers in the game of baseball. When I bet I, you did. When I left baseball and what I do now is tell stories. So <laughs> I'm a <laughs> But the fact that uh, I, your question again. How did you do it? How did you make it in baseball? Blind in one eye. You know, you didn't have a senator helping you or a famous coach whose son you were or anything like that. I mean, to overcome the odds in the 70s to become a major league ball player, that's impressive, my friend. Well, the thing was, Patrick, is that when you're young, you're resilient. And and that summer, I came back to baseball that summer. And struck out my first 10 times up. Never hit a foul ball. Couldn't catch a ball below my waist. But I never, the funny part about it is I never thought about my eye again till maybe 50 years later. I never, I, I, it got me, it, 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 they didn't let me go to war. Back in those days, is Vietnam War, and that, and that, and I was a baseball player, and I was going to go to the reserve, but I never told them in baseball because as soon as and and inevitably you do go into slumps, that they would say it was the eye, and and but it, I looked at the eye after it, looking back, and it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to. And yeah, why, why do you say that? Because it made me want it. It made me pay attention and work hard. And along with the fact that I physically developed and went away to college, it's always good to get away from the womb. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and when I was 18, the weekend I was getting ready to go to college, just to tell you about my mom, uh, 
I said, Ma, are you going to go to school? Go to school on Sunday with me to uh, uh, try to get me in there? And she said, No, get a ride with with your partner that's going over there. And I never knew what she did when she did that. Kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> what she when I left home, I could cook, I could clean, I could sew, I could iron, I could wash my clothes. Uh, uh, could use a knife and fork relatively decently and speak to King's English. These are the things that my father and my mother gave me. And my mom was telling me, she said, son, I prepared you as best as I could. And now you got to go out there and get your head bumped for yourself. And and it took me a while to figure that out. She wasn't being mean to me. She was just, it was a bookmark. Yeah. She's pushing you out of the nest. You had to flap your wings, right? But I have to tell you, when she pushed me out of the nest, I ran into some good people. I ran into some bad people, too. But We all do. You know, it's, it's a fact of life. We cannot do this thing alone. And I had some wonderful support from uh, coaches and uh, uh, te- uh, the professors. And I was going to be a college professor. Hmm. But they kept throwing the ball over the middle plate, and and that. But I have been blessed with more than my share of people that supported me and loved me. And besides, and, besides your parents, Billy, is there one person that stands out that has really having impacted you? Well, I gotta say, I've got a friend that I met when we were twelve years old, and he's my best friend to this day. He came and lived with me for a while when I was uh, playing ball and stuff and said he was the one that would say, hey, man, it's time for us to go home now and and that kind of stuff. And, and I was I was such a good influence that he became an, a pastor. And he's my <laughs> best friend now. His name is Joe Carter, Pastor Joe. Uh, O.L. Mitchell, he was my coach. Uh, uh, when I was coming up, I mean, all, all through, he was our coach, he, our group, and and they started. Uh, he and a guy named Booth Gardner, who was the governor of the state of Washington at one time, he was my first coach ever. The governor of the state was my first coach ever. Uh, uh, when I played, when I was seven years old. Wow. And and when I came home, I went to see him, and and that we would we would have lunch, at, you know, and rest his soul. He had, had Parkinson's and died, but his family was a a philanthropic, philanthropic family, mm-hmm. and that and so we they started O.L. Mitchell and Booth Gardner and Mr. Charles Huey started the Central Area Youth Association. Hmm. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So is so is you now where did you go to college again? A place called Central Washington State College. It is Central Washington University now. And I went from uh being hit in the eye with that baseball to hitting five triples my sophomore year in the national tournament. We came in third in the country, a team from uh Washington which we played only 35 games a year and, and that. 
And then my next year, I hit 476. Wow. First team All-American. And was supposed to be one of the first five picks in the country until they found out I was president of the Black Student Union. And and uh, uh, I got drafted in the 12th round, the 243rd player picked, but I was in the big leagues in two and a half years, like one of those first five would have been. But, you know, it, it went from there. So, Billy, you are known as one of the fastest men in baseball. I alluded to it in my introduction, but you have a very prestigious record, very well-respected record for how many bases you stole. And was that, that was while you were at the athletics, right? When you hit that record? Yeah, I stole 75 bases in 1976, the bicentennial year, uh, uh, centennial year, bicentennial year. Uh, And that leads me to my question about, you know, how did you do it? How did you become such a good base stealer? I know it had to do with your speed, but there was more to that. There's more to there's more to stealing bases than just being fast, right? Would you mind sharing it with our audience? Because I think there's some applications to business and to life. The risk factor. I see what you you're getting at, but when you're First off, there's an attitude you have to have. I got to first base. My batting average was 261 for my career, but my on-base percentage was 367. Mm. That, uh, to me, that was my batting average <laughs> because I had to take pitches to get to the base and that kind of thing. But when you get to the base as a base taker, because I wasn't stealing anything because when I got to the base, everybody in the general vicinity knew what I was going to do. That's right. <laughs> and so, but the attitude of a, a, a base stealer is I could take two steps towards second base. The pitcher would duck. The catcher would be coming out to throw. The shortstop and the second baseman, one would go to the base, one would go to back him up, and the center fielder would be coming up because I took two steps. And the bad part about it, all that stuff they were doing is they couldn't stop me anyway. (laughs) That's the attitude. What was your secret? Why couldn't they stop Billy North? From breaking records. Because I uh, uh, enhanced my calculations of my risk. (laughs) Meaning? Meaning that stealing bases is not taking uh, uh, just a risk. It has to be a calculated risk. There's there's nuances to it. 100%. There's things that you... My, I would sit there on the bench or uh, uh, watching when the pitcher's warming up to see what he moved first, uh, and and you ha- and I mean I'm talking about down to a toenail if it if it's, if that's it, mm. and, that, and then you you you, you uh, left-handed pitchers were sometimes easier to steal off of because everything they were doing was right in front of you, and and but. 
you you didn't just get there and get a lead and run. You had to pick your pitches. They you know they, I sometimes I'd peek down between the catcher's leg and see what sign he was putting down and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it 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 was a kind of thing that I would, I'm I'm an I have an aggressive nature as far as in sports and and uh, I always liken uh, uh, our championship teams as uh, a Cadillac Reggie Reggie Jackson and Sal Bando and Gene Tennis and Joe Rudy those guys drove the Cadillac but it wasn't going anywhere until I turned it on me and <laughs> turned it on we were both based in, and we were at the top of the line. And that that aggressive nature permeates throughout uh, the team in the batting world. And, and, you know, forcing the issue. Well, it's, uh, like the, it's like the fuse, right? You're the spark that got things going. That's when the crowd gets excited. That's when the team stands up and cheers. That's when, you know, and, and to your point about calculated risks, obviously in business or in relationships or in, in sports, right? You're not just diving in blindly. We vet projects before we consider them. We get offered opportunities to bring on new product lines and so forth with our consulting firm, certainty management. We do it on, on almost a daily basis, but we only take 1% of those on. Everyone is a risk. Everyone has that upside or potential downside, but but we vet it first. So we are up against our next break, but I want to come back and analyze this a little bit more because you saw it through the eyes of an athlete. We see it through eyes of a business. But I was also a financial advisor for 34 years. And I was just going there. The (laughs) you've seen it on both sides, right? So let's go to break. We're visiting with uh, Billy North MLB uh, superstar and, uh, yeah, as he just mentioned, he was also has been a financial planner for 30 plus years. You have a different perspective than many people do being able to view it through both lenses. So we'll be right back, folks. Don't go away. You're listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us here on Finding Certainty. We're visiting with Billy North. He's a former Major League Baseball player. Played from 69 to 82. Is that right, Billy? Yep, he uh, was considered one of the fastest men in baseball, known for his record-breaking base stealing. And he said, I wasn't stealing bases, I was taking bases. I completely agree. We were talking a little bit, though, about how when you take risks, whether it's in baseball or in business, in life, I think even in a marriage or a relationship, in parenting, raising kids, it's a risk, right? It's scary, but you take calculated risks, you analyze the pros and cons, the risk factor. And when you do it right, the risks are overcomable. They're they're surmountable. You look at the risk and you know that the reward will be worth it. I'm a firm believer that nothing gets accomplished without risks. You know, we can't succeed at sports. We can't succeed at anything without being willing to take some measure of risk. But that doesn't mean we have to be risky or foolish in the process. Any thoughts on that topic, my friend? Well, I'll tell you what. Whenever you step up to the plate against somebody like Nolan Ryan, you're taking a risk. I bet. (laughs) And I got hit in the head actually in professional ball six times. Because there's a place where a pitcher can throw a ball, and if he's got enough velocity, there's nothing you can do to get out of the way. But that's if you start worrying about that risk, you got to get a new job. There's risk walking across the street, you know. Hundred percent. Yeah, and but you know, you uh, to me, my life has been a wonderful life, and it's been an adventure. And I wouldn't have any of it if I hadn't taken risk. And I got to do a job that puts you in the, the limelight, but everybody's got to do a job. And my job just happened to be in the limelight. It's no, I'm no better, or maybe some worse, but let's not go there, uh, than anybody else. I respect any man's job and the risks they take going out there and and there's a risk in having to feed a family. There and, is. And there's so many things out there. And and I've been blessed by being having had, had help and support and that. And everybody, nobody can do this thing alone, like I said before. No, as you were saying, you know, the mentors we have, the coaches, the spouses, the family members takes a village right to raise a child and most certainly to become a, a top level athlete um you know you you followed your career in baseball and went into financial services you're a financial planner is that right or an investment advisor tell us a little bit about that and i'd be curious to know how as you talk to your 
clients and serve them, how risk comes into that conversation? Because obviously any investment has risks and how do you, how do you calm their fears? How do you address that with your, your client base? Your, your return is dir- directly related to the risks you take. And, and, uh, it's the kind of thing. I was pretty fundamental. I didn't do uh, way out things, and I made money for my clients. A number of times, I was number one in, in client rate. Ret- I mean, interest rate. Ret- I mean, in the uh, uh, their accrual, I uh, I number one in the office because I was fundamental and didn't take a lot of risk. It's, it's just a steady thing, but it was. Uh, like anything, and it, it, it is, gosh, wouldn't life be boring if you didn't step out? Absolutely. You know, slow and steady wins the race. When we talk about taking risk, as I said, that doesn't mean taking undue risk. Doesn't mean blindly jumping in. I mean, I have a son who's a, cl- a cliff jumper. He jumps off 40, 50, 60-foot cliffs into into water, right? And mountain bikes and does all these you know, snowboards and does these, all these crazy things. He wants to be an ex- extreme athlete. Probably will make it. He's phenomenal. But he's not stupid, though. Before they jump into a river or a lake, they go down, they check the depth, they look at the, the entry point. You know, you can do risky things even when you're investing as a client, but you need to do your research. You need to explore your options. You need to get references. These types of things before you just jump in blind, you know, even with one eye, you weren't running and stealing bases with one eye closed, right? Calculated aggression. Uh, <laughs> calculated risk. Uh, uh, they, you know, uh, they talk about hitters, and sometimes you do have to guess, but you mm-hmm. wait a thousand times. And so it's a calculated guess. And, and, and same thing, you know, you got morning side, you got analysts, and you got uh, – so you calculate through them the risk to your client. There's this also, also a thing called risk tolerance. You Absolutely. You don't want to put any client in something that's going to keep them awake at night, okay? And and if, if you put somebody in there, there's not an investment work worth staying awake at night worrying about it i would agree you know you've talked a little bit about your parents and your mentors and so forth and in my experience one of the best ways to to sleep well at night and to be able to handle the risks we take is by learning from others who've gone before us right whether that's a good financial advisor or a mentor or a coach I attribute much of our success to the people I've surrounded myself with and I've taken on as partners and mentors, you know, because if nothing else, they they uh, have been down that path. They can teach you the shortcuts. They can help you avoid the pitfalls. That's our goal as parents, right? To help our kids avoid the same mistakes we made, right? And do better. I tell my daughter, all, not all the time, but when she was growing up, I tell her, uh, I've already been stupid for you. <laughs> and I tell my kids, remember rule number one. Somebody overhears us, they say, what's rule number one? I say, don't be stupid. Right? 
but it's tougher if you're stupid. <laughs> it is. We've all been there. We, some of us are slower to learn than others, aren't we? You know, I, I'll make a little plug here. We have a growing team. We have affiliates all over the country, especially taking part in a, a banking platform that we're involved in. Uh, anyone who's listening, looking for a way to double your buying power and even to create additional revenue in your life, if you'd like, reach out to us. We can tell you about it. But one of the things we did is we developed an app a few years back that is it's kind of like a Slack or a Facebook uh, group or something. But we encourage our team when they have questions to post them in the app. Don't call me directly. Don't text me or email me posted in the app. And one of the biggest reasons, besides the fact they'll get a faster response because there's, you know, 200 people looking at it, but everyone learns in the process. Somebody asks a question, we all see the answer, right? And so our entire team, the our learning curves are accelerated. And so that would be a little tip I give to anyone who's listening, talking about taking risk. Get that network, get those mentors, learn from others, but don't be afraid to ask questions in the process you're going to learn. And if you do it in a group, you all learn together and you're all going to get better in the process. So that's no, my uh, two bits. There's no dumb questions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We all know the only dumb one, right, is the one we don't ask. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're about we're about to the end of the show here, Billy. I told you it would go fast. It's well, amazing how fast it goes by. What else would would you share with the listeners just in closing? Oh, I just know that I have uh, lived a, a a wonderful life, and I'm honored and humbled by the fact that you asked to interview me. I and uh, because you know nobody has to. And that, and it's been a good time. And God bless you, and keep you. Uh, and I love love is the biggest thing of all. Hundred percent. Love is the biggest thing of all. And Mom told me one of the my mom's pearls was sometimes you got to love somebody that's unlovable. And. But you still got to love them. You don't have to like them all the time. <laughs> no, you don't have to hang out, right, if you don't want to. <laughs> and I think that with our current state of affairs in Israel and, and around the country and stuff, you know, people need to uh, learn about what the Lord says about love because it is the biggest thing of all. That's what my message I want to get out to everybody. I couldn't agree more. Well, I wanted to do a shout out before we end to your friend and mine, uh, Elizabeth Deal. Liz, as we know and love her, she's the one who introduced us and talk about somebody we all love and adore. It's definitely Liz Deal. You guys can look up the North Legacy Project is online too. We're redoing the uh, website to expand it and that, but that's my that's our foundation and we need help as much as everybody else does. And, and we, we try and work with creative kids. It's, uh, right now it's fashion based, based on the fact that my mom uh, uh, helped young ladies and my daughter is uh, by Bazaar Magazine, one of the top five 
fashion stylists in Hollywood. And so that's the legacy, the North legacy thing. But we're opening up. We're going to feed some kids and and, and do some uh, mental health work and, and mentorship. And that that's fantastic. So you can go online, the North Legacy Project. What's the website, Billy? It's the North Legacy Project. And Is there a website address, northlegacy.org or? Uh, .com. All right. Look it up. It'll, it, it, it's right there. We'll find it. Well, well, we should talk after. We help raise unlimited funding for nonprofits. We've spoken uh, before about that, but we need to continue the conversation. Anyone who's listening out there at our firm, Certainty Management, we can help your nonprofit raise unlimited zero-cost funding and uh, would love to help. And reach out to uh, to Billy and learn more about his foundation, what his he and his daughter and others are doing. And appreciate you being on the show today, Billy. It's always a pleasure. Really appreciate your friendship and sharing some insights into an important topic today. Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. God bless you. You as well, my friend. Thanks for being on Finding Certainty with us. Enjoy your weekend. Come back next week. Every week we have another guest that sheds insights and sheds the light on how to create more certainty in your life. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.